Hello, everybody, and welcome to McKay's Music Corner, a musical discussion podcast that and it starts... starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to McKay's Music Corner. A musical discussion podcast where I blab about music I like, or music news I find interesting. If you've listened to episode one, thank you so much. Let me know what your thoughts are. We're getting right into episode two, right here. Lots of lots of stuff to talk about today. It's been almost a month since the first episode was released, and I have quite a bit to say. Obviously, tons and tons of new music has released, and at some point I want to cover it all. Today I'm going to be talking mostly about concerts and punk rock. But first, let's start with an interesting music-related news story. The Nirvana baby, aka Spencer Eldon, he is the famous baby on the cover of Nirvana's album titled Nevermind. He is a naked baby submerged in a swimming pool, and there is a dollar bill on a hook it looks like the baby's swimming after it. So yeah, he's that guy. He is now 30 years old, and what he's doing in his life right now is suing the band. He is suing the band 30 years later for that very photograph. He claims he is not happy with what it has done to him. More specifically, he is suing for child sexual exploitation, saying that his naked baby photo in the swimming pool was knowingly wronged by the band, and he's not happy with it. The reason I wanted to bring up this story is because it brings up... I mean, first of all, Nirvana is a very influential band to many of my favorite bands, and just to so much music in general. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about... Even if you don't know the, the album cover I'm talking about, I'm sure you've seen it in passing. Sometimes you'll see it at the store, and they'll have a little sticker covering up the PP on the baby. I'm sure it made... Some mothers quite, quite flustered on their shopping trips. But is it what Spencer Eldon claims? I, that's what I'm unsure of. And I, I'm going to remain a mostly neutral stance, but judging on his past 30 years of life, this baby has brought up the fact that he is in, on the album cover at every, (laughs) every chance he could. So it's a bit interesting. I wanted to talk about it because obviously he was a baby and... He had no say in it, sure. I believe his parents agreed to it. They were friends of the band Nirvana, or somehow knew of them, and they were trying to do an album cover shoot. They used many different babies and tried many different photos, and they ultimately picked the photo with Spencer in it. I think the parents only got like paid $200 for it. It was a very cut and dry thing. There was no contract as far as I know. That is a bummer thing, like to be part of such an iconic staple in music history and to only have received $200 for it with no like lifetime perks. It's unfortunate and it's, it seems unfair, but you know, like nothing was, you know, flat out signed or, you know, it was just a fun thing. Like, Ooh, like we could, this could be cool. And for the longest time, it seemed like the Nirvana baby did think of it that way, but now he is saying it's, it has ruined his life. I think that's fine too, because sometimes you look back on things and realize, oh, that wasn't very 
what I wanted. And I think that part of it is fine. I think uh, this guy is allowed to have those feelings because I mean, he said most of the world has seen him naked. I mean, as a baby, so he just looks like a, a baby. You couldn't see him on the street and be like, oh, that's the Nirvana baby without him having brought it up multiple times throughout his living, you know what I mean? Like it could have just been, he's the Nirvana baby, that was that, and uh, it could be like a fun trivia fact, but he, he made it very much his uh, identity. And this only comes after he invited the band Nirvana to help or attend his art show, and I don't think he heard back from them. So he's now suing them. So it does seem kind of almost like revenge or more pettiness, but a lot of people aren't happy and they think he's just still a big baby chasing after that dollar bill in the swimming pool. I'll let you guys decide. For me, I think, yeah, his his feelings are valid and like, but I don't, I don't, I don't think he has any grounds to sue them. I don't think it's anything that he's claiming it to be. It was just, it was supposed to be an eye catcher of an album and it was that because you're like, whoa, why is this baby in a pool? Like babies aren't usually naked in swimming pools. And so I don't think it was anything more than that. And it was a, what, it was 1991 when that album came out. And speaking of Nirvana, let's segue to some Nirvana-ish music. So we're now going to discuss the song titled Fleabag, and it is by Youngblood, and it was released August 19th, 2021. Right off the bat, the song starts. It says, I'm just a flea bag, nobody loves me. It's very angsty, maybe even whiny. <laughs> I mean, I like the song, and I think it's catchy and fun. He likes to play around with multiple genres, but he does have roots based in some earlier punk and rock. Overall, I think it's a good song. Even the article from Kerrang! says, Youngblood says the Nirvana-esque Fleabag is about being effing gutted about people judging me and trying to tear me down. And that's a common theme or topic that is done in some of those angstier bands of being misunderstood and let me be myself, mom. It's not a phase, mom. I mean, I know myself, I had those moments. I mean, the extent of it was just wearing a three days grace shirt and maybe a three days grace sticker in my bedroom wall. Yeah, I, it's a really good song. It'll be included on the episode two playlist. So if you want to check it out, go ahead. It doesn't swear. So if swear words aren't your favorite, don't worry, but you might hate it for many other reasons but give it a shot. Um, I'm re a really big fan of Youngblood. I can't wait to see him live again. I got to see him in concert back in 2018, I believe, and it was amazing. He has so much energy and emotion, and he's really wanting to be a voice for the younger generation and let people know they can be themselves, and that's always his biggest message, so I'm a huge fan of his. Let's talk about this other song. It, it makes me think of punk and early Nirvana type vibes. And I, I'm not, listen, as you hear me blabbing, I'm obviously no expert about the histories of things. In fact, I had my first real big listen to Nirvana preparing for this episode. And I, you know, I quite liked most of the tracks from Nevermind. I don't know if I'd listen to them as much as I do my other music, but I definitely see the influence and scope that that band had so let's discuss Paper Cuts by Machine Gun Kelly. This was released August 12th, 2021. So actually a week before Youngblood's Fleabag. This track is going to appear on Machine Gun Kelly's upcoming album titled Born With Horns. Both of these artists, uh, Youngblood and Machine Gun Kelly, it seems like they really consistently put out music, or at the very least have 
featured tracks with many artists, and so that's something I also admire about them. At least more of Youngblood. I'm more a fan of Youngblood. But they're they're grinding. Maybe not not all of it sticks to the wall when you throw it. <laughs> but uh yeah. So he uh Machine Gun Kelly dropped the video and song titled Paper Cuts. That is one word. And I would I, I would really recommend watching the music video because it is really fun. He gets on big stilts and has long pants. He has wacky wigs and makeup and he even wears a Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I started playing the song. But it has a really cool guitar to it. Ah, these are just really good and it made me made me in the mood for the Nirvana stuff. So check out the music video, check out the song. It'll also be included on the playlist. And Machine Gun Kelly, I haven't listened to much of his early stuff, but his most recent album, Tickets to My Downfall, and some of the singles he's released since then have been quite enjoyable. I think he definitely is an upcoming artist. I mean, he's, he's very popular right now. Let's get to the meat of it. As I, as I, I think I'm going to make, make that be a saying for this podcast. Let's get to the meat of it. So yeah, well, let's talk about concerts because, my goodness, concerts haven't been a thing for quite some time. My last concert, pre-COVID, pre-quarantine, was the used at uh, Metro Music Hall, and that was in January 2019. And it wasn't until August 2020 that really concerts started coming back. There were quite a few artists that did shows here and there, but it seems like now things are they're back, as far as I know. Some bands have been canceling, though, is the thing. Some bands either have to cancel because of certain state rules, and maybe some venues have strict guidelines. I think recently they even started re- they're requiring proof of vaccination or proof of a negative uh, coronavirus test. So if you're planning on concerts in the, f- in the near future, get vaccinated, or I don't know, you're not going to be able to go, sweetheart. <laughs> my first concert back was for my favorite band, Rise Against, and that took place at The Complex, is the venue, and it was outside. And so I don't actually, I haven't attended a whole lot of outside concerts, and usually I don't prefer them. But, you know, it was nice to have fresh air and not the sweaty, sweaty, stinky mustiness of a cramped room. Though that does have its merits, but it, it's going to take me a while to enjoy that again. Because with quarantine, uh, big crowds have definitely been a thing I've avoided, like the plague. I mean, until now, I'm, I'm so... Yeah, Rise Against, first concert back and it was really great. I really enjoyed it. I went with my husband Jordan and did try to wear a mask where possible, but when you're when you're moshing and you're in the pit, it's not you're not going to be able to breathe efficiently enough. So I I did have it off at some points. But man, they Rise Against I think is pretty consistently good. There were some moments where it seemed like they were maybe the singer was going a little above tempo with the singing or maybe I was just being super critical, but after the first song or two, it I it didn't become noticeable, so I think they got things back on track. And also, in my opinion, I don't know if the complex as a, a concert venue is really my favorite venue in terms of sound mixing. They usually don't do the best job. It, it's so weird, like, for something that's so popular and so, like, most concerts are going to be there for the most part. And I just, I wish they'd it's always hit or miss with what the sound is and, you know, the balance of the instruments. And those are really important to 
at least it's important to people like me who want to, you know, they want to hear those intricate moments that the band thought up and put into the songs and it, it gets lost in the, in the noise. It definitely can. I'm going to quickly go over what the, the track list was for the Rise Against concert. So here we go. So Rise Against opened with The Numbers and then continued on to play Reeducation Through Labor, Satellite, The Violence, Broken Dreams Incorporated, Audience of One, Ready to Fall, Nowhere Generation, I Don't Want to Be Here Anymore, Chamber the Cartridge, Give It All, uh, Just a Singer was on stage and did an acoustic performance of Swing Life Away. Then the full band returned and they continued on to play Make It Stop, September's Children, Prayer of the Refugee, Survive, and then the band left the stage, did an encore, and continued to play Worth Dying For, and then closing with the popular radio hit, Savior. So all in all, that is 17 songs that Rise Against played, and I, I was pretty happy with the set list overall. With one, well no, actually I wouldn't even say minor, it was kind of a major, a major gripe, is that their most recent album that they released this year, Nowhere Generation, they only played three songs off of their new album, which is very bizarre. You know, it's, it's weird for me because usually you think you want to promote, you know, the new album. But I don't know, some bands are choosing to do this where they play the hits. And then if you're, if you're lucky, they'll sprinkle in, you know, two of the singles that they released for the new album. But sometimes you don't even get that. I was happy to get to hear some of it live for the first time. Uh, but overall, there's, there are definitely tracks on their new album I wish I could have had the chance to heard, to hear, excuse me. Hopefully at an upcoming concert of theirs, they will play some of those other tracks from Nowhere Generation. But alas. Something that was really cool is during Swing Life Away, I actually had the chance to see this couple, two girls, uh, one proposed to the other during that song. I'm assuming probably has a special meaning to them, a nice, you know, calming acoustic song, and she proposed to her girlfriend, I'm guessing, and it was really cute, and I was so happy to see that. It made my gay little heart swell like the Grinch. Gotta throw in a Grinch reference. It was really great. In other gay-related music news, they did play Make It Stop, and that is something I really admire about this band, Rise Against, is they've made Make It Stop, September's Children, a concert staple, really, and they play it almost every show now. The song is inspired by a group of kids that were that identified as queer or gay that unfortunately took their lives at a very, very young age during the month of September one year. And the singer and the band wrote this song in solidarity for, you know, LGBT people to let them know there's nothing wrong with them. One of the best lyrics is, I proud of, proud, ah! <laughs> excuse me. Uh, one of the lyrics to give you an idea is, proud I'll stand of who I am, I plan to go on living. And so for me and my husband to be able to hear this song live in concert, it really is so important to me. It's a really important song to me too, coming out before I even knew I was gay. And being able to hear that and being able to empathize despite all my preconceived beliefs, it's, it, 
we might talk about that song in a music memory at some point. Um, but for now, I just really wanted to show my appreciation to hear it live in concert and to continue to hear it live in concert because they have played it multiple times. So thank you, Rise Against. Let's get on to the next concert I want to talk about. So wild enough, the next concert that I attended was a day later from the Rise Against concert. Luckily, it wasn't as big or as, uh, you know, I didn't use as much energy as I did the Rise Against concert. I give it my all when I go to a Rise Against concert. But at this concert a day later for the band The Rex, it was at Kilby Court, which is a very small, intimate uh, staple of Salt Lake City music venues. I love this venue to pieces. Any chance I have to see a band I love perform there, I, I will take it because the tickets are affordable. It's it's very intimate. The sound is always great. Yeah, just support support venues. They, they really took it hard during pandemics because you just couldn't have concerts. You just couldn't. Whereas mo many businesses found workarounds, these ones really struggled. And it, it just sucks. They're there are many venues, historical places where historical bands performed, and sadly a lot have gone under. I'm glad Kilby Court has made it to the other side. I hope it continues to go. Um, but yeah, the Rex was a day later. So obviously me and Jordan were pooped by then. But luckily, yeah, like a smaller venue, and I, I just took it easy this time. I did jump around a bit, but I was very sore. Yeah, I enjoyed this concert and listened to the music, sang along, and I will list off the Rex track list right now. So the Rex opened with Freaking Out, then played Figure This Out, Panic Vertigo, I Want My Life Back Now, Out of Style, Feel So Nice, they did a cover of Psycho Killer, then they performed James Dean, We All Get Lonely, This Life I Have, Good for Nothing, For, Infinitely Ordinary, F Somebody, <laughs> Favorite Liar, and then went off stage and came back for an encore to perform Turn It Up. Alright, and so for the Rex, that was a total of 16 tracks. I should also mention that both Rise Against and the Rex were the headliners of these tours and these concerts. And what that means is they are the final band to play. They are the, if you saw a poster, they'd be the biggest name on there. So best for last type of deal. I didn't know any of the, the opening bands too well for both of those concerts. Uh, however, at the Rex, the first band that played was Good Boy Daisy, and I quite liked them. They did a fun cover of Lizzo's Cause I Love You, and that it was really great to hear you know, a song I knew. And I think covers are a great way to do that, is to introduce a band to your band and their style, but with something that's familiar right off the bat. So yeah, both were headliners, and they both played about 16 to 17 songs. Though the Rex, actually, it seemed they had a lot more time, because the Rex, the singer specifically, talked a lot in between songs. In fact, he had to run off stage. I, I assumed to go to the bathroom. He didn't quite specify. <laughs> but I'm glad they were able to still, you know, play their full set list and get that all in for the fans. It was also really funny, because after one song, the singer of The Rex 
asked the crowd, well, like, what's a staple of Utah of things to eat? And everyone <laughs> declared with vigor, um, fry sauce. And the singer was so just baffled and taken aback, he'd never heard of fry sauce. He, the concept just tickled him silly. So there was chanting throughout the concert of fry sauce, fry sauce. It was really funny. Growing up in Utah my whole life, that's, you know, like, it's just a staple, of course, for me. So I know, you know, what it is. But to see, to see an outsider's perspective and see them find out what it is is really funny. So he made jokes about that all night, like fry sauce running through our veins in Utah. Because it was quite an energetic show. The, I don't know what it was, but the Rex fans, they are very energetic, especially here. It was a really good concert. They played so many songs that I wanted to hear. I don't think there was a single song they didn't play, to be, to be honest. Maybe one, but other than that, they played almost every song in their discography, give or take. There's actually a big thing where Rise Against and The Rex differ, and that is The Rex actually played the entirety of their latest album release, Infinitely Ordinary. They played every song off of that album. Granted, the album was only nine or so tracks long compared to most LPs, records, they're, you know, 11 to 12 tracks, so 9 is a bit on the shorter side uh, that most tend to go, but they played every new song, and I think I, I think that's very commendable of The Rex. I mean, granted, all their prior releases were uh, shorter EPs, so they kind of can afford to. You know, Rise Against has 100 songs plus in their catalog, so obviously they can't play everything. Um, but at this point, The Rex is almost able to Sm not smush, but they're almost able to fit in every song. But it was nice to trust, you know, trust the fans enough that they know by heart these new songs, they love them, and they want to hear them. And I, I really appreciate that trust and that commitment. I, I think that does say something about a band, but it can go both ways because on the Rise Against side, they played a lot of the staples that old school fans want to hear. So maybe as the Rex get older, you know, have one to two decades under their belt, who knows, they might start going that way as well. But I thought it was a very interesting comparison to make, um, and we'll get into that as I discuss the third concert, because um, they follow suit with uh, what Rise Against did. That's where I was the angriest, because <laughs> Rise Against did play three or four songs off the new album. Um, but yeah, if you haven't heard of The Rex, I would definitely check it out. Very fun band very energetic, they could be very silly at times, but they've got very catchy guitar riffs and the singer puts a lot of emotion into his vocals. Just a very fun, young band, and I will continue to see them every time they come around to Utah. All right, and then the final concert I wanna discuss is the most recent concert I have attended, and that is The Used. And this was also outside at The Complex. So same, same location as Rise Against performed. So The Used is one of my favorite bands. They're actually based out of Utah. I believe it's, they're based out of, oh, Orem, Orem, Utah. I could be wrong, but they're definitely from Utah, and so that's another big draw to them. It's cool to have that connection with a band, and there are quite a few Utah bands, uh, but this one's definitely my, my favorite and most, the one that's been around the longest in my life. 
this is another band I absolutely don't want to miss because when I was younger and the music was a lot heavier, I, I didn't have those opportunities to go see the songs that I love today. Um, so now I'm just trying to make up for that. Here is the set list for The Used. Now, The Used was not the headliner. They were actually, it was a co-headline tour, I think. Uh, but they toured with Coheed and Cambria, another big band. And The Used actually performed second to last. So they only played 12 songs total. And I will list those now. The Used played Take It Away, The Bird and the Worm, Listening, I Caught Fire, Paradise Lost, A Jump... <laughs> Paradise Lost, a poem by John Milton, Blow Me, The Taste of Ink, All That I've Got, Buried Myself Alive, Blood on My Hands, Pretty Handsome Awkward, and finished with a Nirvana, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit mashup with the song A Box Full of Sharp Objects. And by mashup, what I mean by that is they, they were ending their, their set and they started playing the, or you know, the iconic instrumentation of Smells Like Teen Spirit, and then they segued into the full song of a box full of sharp objects. So a really fun way to, to end it there. It's, it's a very Nirvana-centric episode. I did this on purpose, you guys. <laughs> Rest in peace, Kurt Cobain. But yeah, the used, only 12 tracks, but very enjoyable. I think they always give a good show. Unfortunately, their band lineup has had a lot of changes within the years, a lot of drama, in fact. And so I don't know how many original members are still around. Rise Against has been pretty consistent with that. For the past 10 years, I think they've had the same lineup. So I, I know them all pretty well. But with The Used, I really only know the singer, Burt McCracken, and he is quite the character. But I think, I think he's still doing a good job. <laughs> But again, they didn't play hardly any of the new any of the new songs, and that is my biggest gripe of this episode, because what they even did on social media is they asked, what new songs do you want to hear from the new album Heartwork? And they, they did that post one or two times as it was leading up to this concert, and I, I made sure to list my opinions, because I loved Heartwork. It came out in 20, 2020, early 2020, shortly after I saw my last concert, which was The Used. And then they proceeded to play only two songs off of that album. And they were two songs that they already played at the previous show I attended. Or they at least played Blow Me. I might not have heard Paradise Lost live. But I was really disappointed, to be honest, when I saw the set list and saw they weren't playing any of the songs I was just... Like, upon first hearing, I was like, oh man, I want to hear this live. And now it looks like I'm never going to, if it's any indication of what they've done in the past. Because with their album preceding Heartwork, The Canyon, they they didn't play a whole lot from that either. Maybe on the original tour, but you'll be lucky if you even even hear a song from that album ever again, to be honest. So it was it was definitely a bummer. But I am very happy with the songs that did get performed. Of course, Bird and the Worm is is a really iconic song. That's what first got me into the band. And then being able to hear at least two tracks from Heartwork was great. And they're very fun, energetic songs. In fact, a bit on the heavier side, going back to their roots a bit. But my biggest, I guess, star that I'd, I'd put a little star by is that they performed Blood on My Hands. And I don't think I've ever got to hear that song live. So being able to now was just a real treat. And I, I really liked it. I'm glad they did have a somewhat 
diverse catalog of songs spanning over three or four albums, but still it would have been nice to have a bit more variety because from what I've seen on websites and from all the shows they've done on this tour, they've kept one set list and just performed it every night. And maybe that's something we'll talk about at a, a future episode. I feel like we've talked quite a bit about concerts for today. All three of these concerts were really great. I'm definitely glad I attended them, though I did get sick from attending them. I, I caught a very strong cold. I did get tested for COVID. It was negative, thank goodness, but it definitely had me out of commission for quite a few days and it was not fun. Just very sore throat, lots of coughing, but luckily not COVID. I'm doing okay now and I was able to record this episode for you guys. So yeah, no, no music memories section for this episode. We'll see if that comes into play for next episode. I just wanted to I thought it'd be good and very important to kind of discuss where concerts stand now, you know, with the pandemic, with the introduction of vaccines and new ever-changing guidelines, at least concerts are able to come back again after a year plus worth of, you know, hiatus, hiatus. I always never know how that word's pronounced. Luckily, I do have a, a break for my body and my soul from concerts for a bit. I think my next one is in October. I think they are going to require proof of vaccination, so I do feel a lot better about that. None of the three shows I discussed today had those uh, regulations, but it looks like with numbers getting higher, that is going to be the standard going forward for most events and even for most businesses. So yeah, let me know what you think. If you haven't checked out episode one, definitely go give that a shot. I would recommend it. And also give our uh, joint podcast with my, my husband a listen. It's titled Reading My Writings, and it can be found on the same places as this podcast can be found, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at McKay's Music Corner on Instagram. You can follow on updates or fun little pictures as things pertain to this podcast. If you have any recommendations, also shoot me a comment or on iTunes. Just let me know. But yeah, that's... That'll do or don't... That'll do it. <laughs> that'll do, donkey. Thank you for listening. This is McKay's Music Corner, signing off.